TNA waited for over five years before introducing a women's division, ensuring the quality of talent at the highest level possible. This Gail Kim awesome Kong feud has put the knockouts on the wrestling map. Welcome to Last Match Standing, the podcast where we review, relive, and rank the 100 greatest wrestling matches of all time. As always, I'm Spencer. I'm Rudy Charles. And I am Kong. And welcome to the first episode of the decade. How about that? 2020, and we're starting out with uh, what is sure to be one hell of a match. That's an understatement. It's, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, happy new year to everyone listening. And, uh, hey, thanks for sticking around with us into the new year. Uh, it's been a lot of fun covering, what is this, our 23rd episode? Episode number 23, that's right. Yeah, the number 23. That was a good movie. I, Jim Carrey? Yeah. Anyone else? Virginia Madsen. So he knows more about it than we do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? She was the co-star. Yeah, yeah. No, she was. I, I really liked it. it. People really, I don't hear a lot of people talk about it, but I enjoyed that film. So uh, this episode, we're going to cover... A, a match that is super important to uh, to to wrestling in in a lot of different ways, and it's it's a rivalry that is arguably the greatest rivalry in women's wrestling history, or even in TNA history. Um, and so we've covered a few TNA matches at this point, and it's it's interesting. You know, TNA has a lot of ups and downs over the years. One could say most of them, all oh, Vince Russo. Uh, but I think the Gail Kim versus Awesome Kong nine-month feud is one of the major highlights of what they were able to put together. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And so with that in mind, today we're covering from January 6, 2008, um, from Final Resolution 2008, is Gail Kim versus Awesome Kong in their notice qualification match for the TNA Women's Knockout Championship. Uh, before we do that, a, a couple of things that, that I kind of wanted to go through. First of all is um, our last episode was New Day and Usos. Yes. Right, Hell in a Cell, Correct. which is, you know, it's almost similar to this in terms of kind of brutality and sort of breaking a ceiling of some form. But, you know, Podcast Hitman reached out, and so this is just something I wanted to talk about with you guys. He, he mentioned that he thought we ranked New Day and Usos a little too low. Uh, it sits at our 20 spot out of 22 so far. What do, what do you guys think about that right now? We've had a little bit of time to reflect. Yeah, I mean, I, I I totally understand. It was a difficult one for us to rank overall, right? I guess I believe that it should have gone, you know, below TLC, which is what I was arguing at, mm-hmm. during the last episode. But you know, I I get it. There aren't a lot of uh, a gimmick matches that I would necessarily put on a list of the top one hundred because just personally, I like to see the story that two guys can tell just on their own without having to add these stipulations on top of stipulations. That's more interesting to me, just in general. Well, I think with Hell in a Cell, it's a little bit different because um, I have seen some absolutely fantastic stories told inside of it. I've seen some horrific stories told inside of it. <clears throat> the Fiend. Um, the, the, when, you, when you ask me about like gimmick matches or like specifically if we're talking about Hell in a Cell, there's like two that pop in. I was like, okay, that one might end up on here, or at least we might do like an honorable mentions of one day, and that's the original Hell in a Cell 
and then the uh, career threatening match, the uh, Cactus Jack Triple H one. I could think about those. But other than that, like when it comes to gimmick matches, they're really hit or miss. I mean, there's good ones, there's bad ones, there's matches that did not need to have gimmicks, and then there's matches that desperately need gimmicks. Well, it's interesting to note that uh, as of New Day and Usos, 10 of our 22 matches are gimmick matches in some form. So I, I feel like we have showed some love to gimmick oh, matches. Yeah. I'm curious as this list goes on. You know, we have a long way to go, but I don't know if maybe the gimmick matches will start to kind of dissipate. You know, maybe we won't see as many of those moving forward, but I'm, I'm curious. Maybe, maybe we will. You know, if you've got a gimmick match that you love that we haven't covered yet that you think is one of the 100 greatest of all time, let us know. You know, hit us on Twitter at LastMatchCast or you can email us at LastMatchStanding at gmail.com because, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff out there now more than ever, right? And sometimes, uh, sometimes there is something that we're overlooking. So if there is a gimmick match that you think is... Incredible, because like you guys said, there are certain times where the gimmick really adds to the story, and that's something that you know the story part is is what we have learned to value a lot uh, when ranking these matches. So I'm really excited to jump in and talk about Gail Kim versus Awesome. I'm Kong. so sorry. Before we do that, Landon, I've got two things I need to get off my chest, and I've been waiting, and I didn't tell you guys I was going to do this, but these two things are very, very important to me. Oh no. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. First of all, uh, first things first. It's it's the new episode of of the new year the first one right so i just wanted to say thanks uh you have a lot of places where you could listen to wrestling podcasts you know what i mean like there's a lot of wrestling podcasts out there more than ever right there's just podcasts all over the place so if you are listening we just want to say thanks for for choosing us i know we we're not giving you up-to-date news all the time right this is just something that we're kind of being reliving things and i just really think it's really cool that you know wherever you are you're listening to us you don't have to, and you could listen to anything else, and so we are super appreciative don't for that. Don't tempt them. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, <laughs> and this is totally unrelated, but we're we are now in January, so we're looking towards the Royal Rumble, and as I do every year, I always watch Royal Rumble matches just leading up to it. And so the first one I started off with was uh, 2009. It's the year. Um, is it the year that remember? Randy won? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he had help from the from the legacy, he kicked Vince in the head, and then. Jerry Lawler Lee said, oh, it's Randy Orton. He's actually supposed to win this. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. That's oh, the one. Oh, no. The whole point yes, of me bringing he, he up. spoiled it like 10 minutes before it ended. This match is, uh, I have a very big complaint. And it's not about Royal Rumbles. And it's not about Randy Orton. It's about the big show. Okay. Let me just be very, <laughs> I just, ever since I watched this match, and I've been waiting for this platform to tell you guys about it. Because I just, maybe I'm crazy, but he has got to have the worst offense. (laughs) Not even just for a big man. The worst offense of all time. Listen, I understand that he's a big guy, so it's automatically going to look painful in some way. But it doesn't (laughs) at all, even a little bit. And it took me... Seeing Big Show come out and, you know, when he entered the Rumble, he gets his first big spill. And I'm just like, you look like you are not touching anybody. He's just a big old teddy bear. I Listen, I love the Big Show, I can't, but I can't. And it just, like, I am now, my eyes are wide open. There are some fun Big Show stories that oh, we'll yeah. get to someday. Big Show, Mark Henry, Money in the Bank 2011. Watch that. Match. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I get it. <laughs> that, I, I, it's not that, all bad. That might end up on our list at some yeah, point. Yeah, listen, it's not all bad. I'm just saying that was the general complaint I had. If you agree, great. If you don't, I'm very sorry if I hurt. 
if I upset you with my Big Show take. But <laughs> I just had to get it off my chest. Well, and you, now... When, I, you, when you brought it up, I'm like, wait, isn't the one where he got, came out, got eliminated immediately, and then did the bullshit, I'm going to eliminate people from their room. I'm like, motherfucker, you're out. I hate that <laughs> spot so much. Uh, it's my le- It's my most hated Royal Rumble spot. Is I've been eliminated. I'm gonna either come back in the ring or pull somebody over the top rope. I actually kind of like that. The, I, the I only, hate it. One of the only times I can remember it working really, really well is the Kurt Angle Shawn oh, Michaels don't get me setup. Started. Don't I knew I, I almost knew you were gonna go there. Yeah, and we'll definitely talk about that. It was really, point. really well done. Uh, yeah. Sorry, that was very off track, but it was just very. It was weighing heavy on my mind. Not quite as heavy as Big Show's foot when he's pretending to stand on you next to the ropes, but <laughs> heavy nonetheless. Uh, but I am now officially ready to talk about Go Kim. Okay. So. Well, anyway, gang, so a little backstory on this feud. So the Knockouts division was created in 2007, and there was a, uh, was it 10 women gauntlet match? There was, yeah, it was. It was a 10 women gauntlet ten match. There's some interesting people in there. Yeah, 10 women gauntlet match, which was actually won by Gail Kim, but like pretty much like before she could even really start celebrating this, Awesome Kong became a force to be reckoned with in TNA, and she would relentlessly just assault Kim for months. Yeah, it was it was a really interesting build up here. I mean, you know, we were talking about the Royal Rumble. I wish we could see Gail Kim in Royal Rumble. That'd be oh, awesome. no kidding! I mean, Gail Kim is one of the most skilled women ever to step in a wrestling ring. I mean, her ability to come up with these unique scenarios to tell incredible stories is just unbelievable. Well, I think the problem is that she burned her bridge with them. Which is fine. I mean, there are other yeah, places. I say that to, to do you know, so. you know, I say that, but so did CM Punk, and he's back. So did <laughs> yeah, so did never Jeff say never. Fucking right. Jarrett didn't burn the bridge. He like set C four charges while he was on the middle of the bridge. Said, "Hey Vince, give me half a million dollars." All right, fuck you, Vince. And he's in the fucking Hall of Fame. So yeah. I don't know. Never say never in this business. I yeah. do love Gail. I think you're so right about Gail Kim. I remember because Gail Kim was in the WWE when I first started watching it. And she was my first like favorite outside of maybe Trish or Lita. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just really, really loved her. In part because, man, did she have a great theme song. Right? You know, the red, the whole international girl or something like that is what it's called. The whole Matrix gimmick. Oh, yeah. I loved it. And I, I think I listen to that theme song more often than I would like to admit. Well, she kicked off her career in Canada, right? Mm-hmm. And she, she did train over in Australia for a while before making it to WWE's developmental territory in OVW in 2002 at the suggestion of then WWF superstar Molly Holly. Oh, she's great, too. Uh, so thank you, Molly, because yeah. otherwise, who knows if we would have ever seen Gail in this kind of light. Oh, no, not, probably not. Uh, but remember her very first WWE match was a seven-woman battle royal for the Women's Championship. Why am I not surprised? And she won. How about that? June 30th, 2003, she won the championship on her very first episode of Raw. And I'll, I'll never forget that because yeah. she just she immediately makes an impression she just has this unique ability uh, and is just highly, highly skilled and very, very smart. And she was able to hold the title for uh, about four weeks, defending it actually once against Molly Holly. But anyway, it's, it's, she has really a remarkable journey, even though she doesn't stay in WWE for too long. No, she jumped back and forth a good bit. Right. But she's presented with an incredible opportunity in 2007, like you were saying, Paul, to build, arguably the first legitimate women's wrestling division to be televised on a global stage. Especially in America. Right. I mean, well, what was WWE women's division looking like in 2007? 2007, that's when we were getting, like, 
fulfill your fantasy matches at Taboo Tuesdays and Cyber like Cyber Sunday. Like, like we, we talked about this on the Christmas episode. We would get like the Santa's little helper or the mistletoe in a pole match. Exactly. Or the fucking eggnog. That's what we were getting. So in 2007, TNA is stepping it up. And like, they realized that WWE just dropped off. They just cut, because of budget cuts, probably the most talented woman they could have had on their roster. Mm-hmm. And she's on this collision course with Awesome Kong. Almost yeah, immediately. Literally two months after she wins that title, Awesome Kong challenges her to a match. Yeah, you know what's really interesting is is during the beginning of this match, you know, they're kind of they're kind of breaking it down. Uh, Mike Tanay says uh, TNA waited five years before introducing a women's division uh, because they wanted the highest talent possible, and I mean it, it worked out, right? Like I, it's just it, when you compare it to what was going on elsewhere at the time, what a great decision by TNA. To, to really to wait you know they could have put out the same kind of stuff right and it would have been a drop in the pan nobody would have noticed and it would have been what it was but instead here we are now over a decade later talking about matches from this time period well exactly. and i feel like part of the reason it worked so well at the time period that they chose was if you look back when tna was established in 2002 wwe was actually doing okay with the women i wouldn't call it you know a division but they had, you know, some some really great, great talent. They had people like Ivory, like Jacqueline, like China, um, and so they they were doing okay. Uh, but in two thousand seven, it was all like, that was gone. It was yeah. nothing. It's full on diva surge, lowest common denominator. Right. Let's just get out some models and bikinis. But speaking of the two thousand two WWE Women's Division, Awesome Kong became fixated on becoming a professional wrestler after witnessing the storied battles between none other. Than Lita and Trish Stratus. Huh. Wonder how many women superstars can say that now. Probably a lot. Probably a lot. And so, uh, you know, thanks to them, because otherwise we would never have gotten Awesome Kong. I just, I'm so excited. Every time she comes out in AEW, I'm just like, yes. yeah. She's <laughs> so she's, good. She's fun to watch. Yeah. She's got one of the best stank faces in wrestling history. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Um, so, Kong began her training in Japan with organizations such as All Japan Women's Pro Wrestling, where she kind of experimented with this hard-hitting MMA style. And this is what makes Kong so unique, right? She's a larger athlete who has ridiculous power. Oh, yeah. But she doesn't solely rely on her strength to win matches, which makes it a lot of fun. Yeah, it adds an extra layer to her character, for sure. So while in Japan, she was given the ring name Amazing Kong by Matsusugu Matsunaga, I got a funny story about that. Who? It, so yeah, so she was she was called Amazing Kong because she needed uh, because Matsunaga needed a replacement for the Japanese female wrestler Aja Kong. Well, I think it's so funny about that is when she went to Japan, they didn't tell her what her name was going to be. Mm-hmm. So she walks into the locker room and Shinsuke Nakamura goes, "Amazing Kong," <laughs> and she's like, "What the fuck did you just call me?" Because <laughs> she thought he was being a racist. Oh no! Like, oh, and, and, and I he, just got it. And then he shows, and he shows her the poster. No, no, no! Amazing Kong, you're amazing Kong. And she's like, because they okay. had, because they had an Aja Kong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It all makes sense. <laughs> um, and actually, That's fantastic. What a good story. I'm at, glad you shared that. After a while, yeah. Aja Kong and Amazing Kong formed a tag team. Love it. I think that's arguably the most intimidating tag team in wrestling. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what I also think is really funny was when she first came to TNA, they kept saying, Amazing Kong coming to TNA. And then the first time she walks out, 
Awesome Kong, awesome Kong, but the lame plate says Amazing Kong. Yeah, it it did, it did. Cause, cause it was only for one night, but the the next night is like Jones. This is awesome Kong, and then she that's what she's been the rest of her career. Yeah, and so she did. She made it to TNA, and very quickly she defeated Gail Kim, yes. sparking the feud that would last for the next nine months. And and like Paul said, you know, Bound for Glory 2007, Kim did become the inaugural TNA Knockouts Champion, defeating Tracy Brooks, Jackie Moore. Awesome Kong was in that match. Yes, she was. Uh, Shelly Martinez, ODB, who I love. <laughs> uh, Angelina Love, Christy Hemme, Velvet Sky, and Roxy Laveau. And it was a gauntlet match. Honestly, you name those, like, only one of those is not like a solid wrestler. Yeah. Not going to say who. <laughs> well, <laughs> we, we may know who. We know, we, well, we all know who. I'm not going to say who because I don't want to be a dick, but... Uh, Nine out of ten are like, those are all really good wrestlers. <laughs> so uh, the first match between the two took place at Turning Point 2007. Yes, it did. And that match ended in a disqualification. Yeah. Um, Kong's just kind of playing the role of the unstoppable villain, right? I mean... Well, I mean, I watched it. It worked. It wasn't like a bullshit, oh, they did that just to extend the fuse. Like, no, like, how can you control this unstoppable monster? And that's the whole point. And so that's why this rematch at Final Resolution is no disqualification. Yeah, I mean, Kong just kind of went ballistic and got herself disqualified. That's that's what she does. Yeah. But um, it it kind of helped carry the story over into the next stage, which was Gail is is damaged goods. It's like, so how long can she really keep that belt if these are the kinds of things that are going to happen? Exactly. Uh, Because she is. She's tiny. Gail's little. Yeah. Um, And Kong is not. So it makes for an interesting dynamic. Uh, You know, one thing I did notice about uh, final resolution is this match is what like the third match on the card, second match on the card, uh, one of the earlier matches. Yes, it it's was definitely the first. But half. they they when they when the before the match came out, they gave us like, the teletape and they said this is one of the first of our triple main events. Yes, this is when they yeah. pull these, these triple main event cards, and they only was put these matches up because they knew if they did big match, big match, big match, like you would just get burnt out. Sure. Yeah. So they kind of paced it out. Mm-hmm. I Which still is feel smart. like this should have gone on later. But I understand why they put it where they did. Well, I, and the reason I bring it up is because I started the pay-per-view from the beginning just because I wanted to see it. Yeah. And uh, what a great opening package. I'm not <laughs> sure if you guys saw the opening package of the whole pay-per-view. But something TNA did really well around this time was tell those great stories. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, they must have had Kevin Dunn or somebody. They didn't have Kevin Dunn. I forget, <laughs> yes. the, I, I forget the guy's name, but uh, he used to do the video packages like in the Attitude Era. And they were doing budget cuts, and he got let go. And his son went to university in Orlando, mm. so he just got a job. It was good stuff. It was really good stuff. Yeah, I think he was either friends with Vince Russo or uh, or um, Jeff Jarrett or both, most likely. And they just said, hey, you want a job? So l- let's get to the match. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, January 6, 2008. It is the third match on the card. Um, at Final Resolution 2008, and just to re- to remind you who's on commentary, and I and I just know Paul was excited. Oh yes, uh, my oh, yes. Iron Mike today and Don West, of oh, course. Man. So make sure your volume's turned all the way up. <laughs> this uh, is this is definitely pre Don West's amazing black <laughs> brown bag deals. <laughs> what? Did, okay, so did we see Don West though? What the hell was he wearing? I. <laughs> Was this during, This is pre, is this pre? Was he trying West? to be Jesse Ventura? I was going to say possibly. That, yeah. Was this pre like Don West, uh, like shooting off, going off script and showing up drunk to work? Oh, I hope. So. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that was before. They that. ran that storyline and they very quickly dropped that storyline, and then he was replaced by Taz. Well, 
<laughs> yeah. And then he was just selling merch in the back. Yeah. Thank you, Vince. Fantastic. Really appreciate it. Um, the referee here is uh, Mark, also called Slick Johnson, in his shorts. He always wears shorts. I hate that. He so does much. always wear shorts. I know well, he, he does. He I hate to it show so much. The, he had to I don't show off the know calf why muscles. I do. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah, show off the calves. I don't know why I hate it. I just do. <laughs> but it's fine. It's fine. So Slick Slick Johnson is the referee, but uh, someone very well known, you know, very well liked kind of guy. Um, so uh, there's your, there's your stage. We've got Gail Kim, Awesome Kong, no disqualification for the TNA Women's Knockout Championship, and uh, Awesome Kong makes her entrance first. And on her way down to the ring, you know, obviously she's billed as six foot one, two hundred and seventy two and three eighths pounds. I always love that. They would they would give a go to the like the three eighths or the nine tenths. I always love that in wrestling. What was it? Uh, Big Dick Dudley. Every time he would come out to the ring, his arms would have gotten bigger. <laughs> <laughs> so like the first time he came out, the man, the arms like twenty one and two thirds inch attached to the man, and then like by the end of his career. 24 and 9 tenth <laughs> inches of arm attached to the man from the Twisted Steel section of Dudleyville. I fucking love that gimmick. What a great gimmick. <laughs> That's really good. That's really, really good. Uh, you know, the one thing I noticed during Awesome Kong's entrance is, uh, one, she is very intimidating. Right. I mean, <laughs> yes. obviously. Greatest stank face in wrestling. It's, it, it's so good. Uh, uh, her, but her and her Demolition Smash. Ooh, that's a good point. That's a that's a good one. Uh, there was uh, someone in the in the impact zone has a sign that says uh, Kong ate my other <laughs> yeah, sign. Yes, <laughs> and she walked right in front of it. <laughs> she did. So you know, bring it back an old classic, the last match standing sign of the night. There, there <laughs> it is. Kong ate my other sign. So yeah, I am very sad to announce that Riley Towelman is not in attendance tonight. Oh, I looked for him. I could not find. It is him. a bummer. It is a bummer for sure. Uh, and then Gail Kim comes out, and it does not take very long to get things going. No, the bell doesn't even ring before she gets assaulted. <laughs> and that's and you know, like it sets the tone for the match. It's starting that way, uh, but for a match that goes twelve, almost thirteen minutes, um, it does not stop. It's very, very high energy. It doesn't stop, and and awesome Kong when she you know attacks Gail Kim at the very beginning. She stays in control oh, for, yeah. for a good portion of this first part of the match. And I just I love how they kind of immediately start brawling on ringside. They go up to the announce desk and she shoves Mike Tenay. <laughs> and Tenay, what the hell? Oh, what's going on? She scares the shit out of Mike Tenay. <laughs> oh my god, it just, just scares them so much. She's like, oh my, what, what, what is going on? And she like just starts shoving the monitors like this. Just throwing the monitors around. I don't, oh my god. I don't think they talked about that. <laughs> no, I don't think they were ready at all. Don West says, I'm about as scared as I've ever been. <laughs> and then she immediately goes for a power bomb. <laughs> yeah, like, she's trying shit. to she's trying to do a, an awesome bomb through the table to get started. Uh, Kim we're, reverses it with a great kick. Yeah, but uh, we're 30 seconds into the match, by the way. Yeah, and I just love because later on in the match, <laughs> Mike and Don they're they're concerned that Awesome Kong's coming back over to the table, <laughs> and, and Mike and Don West is like, "Oh no, she can't be coming over here." And and Mike says, "What are you worried about? She stepped on my foot." <laughs> <laughs> uh, and people ask me why I love this commentary too so really much. Good. It was really really good. I mean, K- Kim tries oh. to take advantage of Kong having her back turned when she's like messing with Mike mm-hmm. Tanay. Um, but Kim immediately gets slammed into the apron back first. Oh. And I mean, you just you just see from very early on, Kong is asserting her dominance. And it's sort of just like picking up where they left off. Yeah, yeah, it, it makes a ton of sense. And you're and so that doubt continues to build in your head. Like, Gail Kim, like her time as champion, 
really is winding down, and and we're watching it unfold in front of our eyes. And I just I cannot get over just how dominant Kong is in this match, because it's it's one thing to do that kind of match, but it usually gets boring, and this does not get boring. It does not get stale. The entire time I'm on the edge of my seat, going, "Oh my God, what is going to happen?" And this is t- 13 years ago now. Yeah, well, and it's it's interesting because you see that what Kong's strategy is right off the bat is I'm going to insert my dominance, I'm going to use my power. But Gale has a really good strategy in this match too, and it's keeping Kong at a distance. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so she's constantly trying to push Kong off and throw these distance kicks or running attacks, and it's it, it makes for a really interesting dynamic between the two. Yeah, and, you're so right. It's very much like a hit and run. You know, it's like yeah. run up, grab a quick elbow to the face, and then try to get back away. I mean, it works because like Kim stays alive. But I just I I, mo- I pointed out at one point that Slick Johnson like you're just here to count the pin. Like, mm-hmm. stop trying to stop Kong from brawling because it's not going to work. It, it's, a, it's a smart strategy. Yeah. And honestly, she needed one because this is... I, I, I'm thinking this is the most unprecedented size difference in women's wrestling history. I think so. I mean, you have Bull Nicano versus Alundra Blaze. You've got China versus Ivory, but I don't know if there's a bigger size difference than Kong versus Kim. I don't think so. And it's no more evident than whenever Kong is choking Kim while bending her backwards over the bottom rope. Ooh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do have a question for you guys because while while Kong is is really in firm control of this match, Gail Kim tries, tries little flurries, and she does get some flurries here and there, but Kong almost immediately snaps her out of it. Mike Tanay says there's an associate of Kong's in attendance. Did you catch this? I did. I'm Anyone know what that's about? Uh, no, how, she, how that played no, out? No, she had a manager. I just cannot remember what the right Raisha Saeed. Ah, yeah, yeah, oh okay. my god! But, okay. but Raisha Saeed had yet to debut, so there was this whole deal about okay, who is this you know person who's gonna? And, and I guess she was in the crowd that night, but yeah, I mean, nothing never happens. came to pass during this match. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. It was it was fairly shortly after this match. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I think it was like the next week on Impact. Because this is actually right when I started watching Impact. It was right around this time frame. Mm-hmm. So, like we were saying, Kong is kind of bringing Kim all around the crowd. She brings her all yeah. around the stadium. And there's one point where she's standing on Kim's throat. Yes. And it's yes, just she like she, she's using her 160-pound weight advantage to stand on her throat. Yeah. Yep. And it, and she's and it's like when they're in the bleachers, right? Yeah. So it's not she's not pushing the rope down to make it look like she's you know no. Hey, Big Show. She doesn't look like Big Show <laughs> when she's choking Gail Kim. And like I said, we we got through. There's one moment that's really really scary in this match, and I like oh dear. Gail gets one of those flurries. She goes to the top rope, and then Kong just knocks her off the top. And when she does, she gets caught in the ropes. It was because Kong hit her with a spinning back fist. Yes, but she got caught in the like her leg got yeah. caught in the rope, and then immediately Kong and the referee are trying to get her loose. I'm like, oh no! Oh, it was it was nasty. Yeah, it didn't look good at all. And then Kale just flops like off to the hits the apron and then lands on the on the floor. And I'm like, that wasn't and, supposed to happen. And before anyone says it, I will admit. The barricade spot that follows. Uh-huh. Oh, is really. Are you are you referring cool. to the giant swing into the barricade? That, that is correct. Because, dear lord, that looked like it gave her a fucking concussion. Yeah, I mean, it was unprotected. It was as stiff as I've ever seen a barricade spot. And listen, here's the thing: 
you know I hate those, but the, the, I I like got up out of my seat. I think I this like, podcast oh, is, is making it? Spencer a fan of barricade spots. Oh, I really hope not, but I think you're right. Like, I, how many times now have we said I kind of like that barricade spot? I uh, like at least twice, but there's been a barricade spot in Denver every match we've yeah. done. That's a good point. That's a good point. So uh, this one though, in particular, is oh yeah. Brutal. Well, we get the giant swing to the barricade, and then we get what I refer to as the casual toss over the barricade into the crowd. (laughs) And we get, may I say, some really good crowd brawling. Yeah, actually, I kind of enjoyed it. And usually this is not something that I would say constitutes a greatest match of all time, uh, you know, deal. It's just like, oh, okay, well, they went into the crowd. But... If you look at other matches on this list that have had successful crowd brawling, you know, there was a little bit in the uh, Tanaka-Mike Awesome match. Yes. <laughs> and, I mean, what about Steve Austin versus Bret Hart? Yeah, they yeah. crowd brawled. That's, and that's part of what we loved in the beginning of There it. is actually a spot reminiscent of that. There is no drink handlers, but Kim does grab a water <laughs> bottle. Oh, yeah, she repeatedly does. hit Kong with it. I was dying. I thought it was so funny. And she's just, and, and she's, those are solid oh, shots with Don, that plastic bottle. Don West, like, she's using a water bottle. And it's, it's full. So, I mean, it's got some weight to it. And <laughs> she hits her about eight times in the hey, face. Hey, <laughs> I broke my toe trying to kick a water bottle. So, hey. so you know the dangers. They are dangerous. <laughs> uh, then I, uh, I also have, there's a point where Kim gets thrown up the stairs. <laughs> Right. Oh, you don't see yeah. That she gets thrown. She gets tossed on the stairs, and I mean, it looks absolutely brutal. Well, mm-hmm. well it's just it's concrete and steel. I mean, yeah. What are you gonna do? Uh, but she is able to use her agility at one point to make Kong injure herself, and she yes. runs shoulder first into that concrete wall. Yeah, and she just bounces off, and you can see the pain in their face. I'm like, oh, okay, there we go. She she does feel pain. She's hurting. And then Kim doesn't stop. She just fucking rings her into the barricade and then into the ring post. Like, just, I have to stop this monster. Yeah, she kind of hones in on that shoulder, which Mm -hmm. is, again, really smart. Um, It doesn't really keep Kong down for long. Kong's able to grab a chair, and she aims right for Gail's head, which is terrifying. Um, But Gail's able to avoid it. She kicks it right back in Kong's face. And so you kind of have this cat and mouse game that's being played. And it's like, okay... Maybe Gail Kim is going to have something. And then she goes for a suicide dive, but what happens? Kong catches her. Yeah. And does a freaking, like, basically the world's strongest slam onto the ring apron. Yeah, it was it was the first moment where you thought, oh, this is where Kim's going to really take control of the match. Like, she's going to, you look at this surprising dive off the top rope onto Kong, who's caught on a wares on the outside. Just uh, catches her. But just, I mean, and ragdolls her, throws her right onto the ring apron, which is the hardest part of the ring, Michael. <laughs> 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 Come on. And I'm just sitting there thinking, well, what the hell is it going to take to stop Kong? And then when I honestly didn't know how this match ended. So I thought that was it. I'm like, well, here we go. We got a new we got a new knockout champion, especially when we get back in the ring and Kong just hits another spinning back fist. Oh, yeah. Gale's timing in this match mm-hmm. is absolutely flawless. There's one moment where Gale's going for a running victory roll and uh Kong uses her strength to turn it into a windmill face buster. But oh, so good. If Gale wasn't able to time that run perfect, it wouldn't have looked as good as. Oh it did. no! And then I think one of my favorite moments where I realized, okay, Kim, she can do this. Awesome Kong goes for an awesome bomb. Gale Kim reverses into a sunset flip, and then Kong like she can't. She's too big. You can't roll over. So she's just going to squash her, and then Kim just rolls out of the way. Yeah, you have to have speed. you have to really speed. really trust mm-hmm. that your timing is going to be perfect for for you to be able to pull that off. Because you're either a 
moving way too early, or B, you can squish. Oh, yeah. And then when Kong hits, you can just see the pain shoot up like her spine. You can see it like, oh, I'm like, okay, here we go. Her shoulder's weak. Lower back. You have to zero in on this right now. And I'm like, okay, what's going to happen? And then surely enough, I thought we're going to get a counter. But no, not really, because Kong gets up and just goes right back on offense. And we get Kim gets thrown sternum first into the turnbuckle. I was like, oh, God damn it. Every time I see that, I just think of the pain that has to come from that. So Slick does try and get up into Kong's face after at one point. It does not go well for him. No, it does not. <laughs> uh, she, yeah, he gets an awesome bomb for his trouble. Oh yeah, and he does. Bomb. And it's it's it, it is interesting that she uses what's called the awesome bomb, which is actually a sit out power bomb. Yeah, yes. But this is not the first appearance of an awesome bomb on our podcast. No, so, uh, right. We saw about three of them in the awesome Tanaka match. One of them by Masato Tanaka. Over the top rope through a table. So don't ask us why we ranked it where we did. (laughs) Uh, You know, just when you think Slick Johnson, you know, poor ref, right, in his shorts, he gets powerbombed, and uh, he's just laying there on the mat, and and Kong goes out. She's going to go grab a chair now, take care of Gail Kim, put her away, but instead starts wailing on Slick with the chair. Oh, my God, I love this. Just because then Kim gets the chair and hits Kong not once, not twice, but thrice. Well, <laughs> and, well, and she falls. No, actually, one of the things that I really liked about this this point was that sh- the first shot is actually to the shoulder, which You're is right, what she's I'm been sorry. working on previously. Mm-hmm. And then it's two unprotected headshots. Yep. Awesome. But <laughs> Kong falls. It's the first time she's been down. And then, but what, but what's, but, ah, and then we get a top rope frog splash. Yes, Kim's going to get it, but the referee's down. Another referee comes out, but who is it? Rudy, 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 Rudy Charles. Rudy Charles, <laughs> also but, known as Dan Engler, which is his real name, and he's also <laughs> appeared on this podcast before, I believe. Yes, he has. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so he comes Spencer. out. Spencer, leave it to Spencer to know all the referees. Yeah, Let so. me just, as a brief aside, I'm very sorry. Since we're on the subject of Dan Engler and Rudy as the referee, um, I did some researching. Of course. <laughs> of course you did. And uh, Dan Engler, who is, of, of course, a WWE referee now, he's got a Christmas joke for you. This is oh, his I most recent tweet. What? Yeah. How much did Santa pay for a sleigh? Oh, no. Nothing. It was on the house. Oh, come on, Dan. And he, his, um, his Twitter bio says, refereed in 26 countries, four continents, and 45 states, formerly Rudy Charles, <laughs> <laughs> leader of the hashtag Revolution. Oh, what? God. Oh, he, my God. And this is what I discovered. He tweets, and, and he uses that hashtag on most of his tweets, hashtag Revolution. Oh, my God. Which, I love this man. Which brings me to uh, other WWE official, uh, Derek, Derek Moore, I believe. Um, who is a friend? They're friends, obviously, because they work together. And uh, I thought, surely, hashtag revolution is the best ref Twitter hashtag there is. But Derek said, no, thank you. I've got a better one for you. <laughs> oh, <God>. Derek, <laughs> he hashtags everything with hashtag one, two, three, that's it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> love it. Which is so good, which is great because his wife tweets at him. Like pictures that they've taken together, and she's like, "Happy birthday to you, my love! It's been an amazing, adventurous seventeen years, and I can't wait to see what's next." Now, this is his wife talking. Hashtag promises made, promises kept. Hashtag one, two, three. That's it. So even she tweets oh, it. That is amazing. There, you, I mean, listen. This is what you listen to this show for. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, for uh, for Dan Engler and company, follow well, them on Twitter. It's good stuff. At the time, he was still referred to as Rudy. He so was still Rudy. Rudy comes out and counts the fall, but Kong kicks out at two. 
and then immediately we get a choke slam to Gail Kim by Awesome Kong. I love. First of all, I love choke slams. Just I in do general. too. It's beautiful. And was Kong a, does a good one. This one was brutal. Was oh really yeah, good. and she goes for a pin, but Kim kicks out. Yeah. You know, so this one reminded me. Uh, a while back, Paul and I were doing a little bit of indie wrestling, and so, we we went to this backyard fed. Oh god. Down here in Prairieville, and we were just kind of like stretching and and warming up before our match. And Paul is just like, okay, I'm gonna do a choke slam. I was like, okay. And they didn't have like a true ring with no, a raised kind a, of deal. They just had a base. Whatever you're imagining in your head, that's exactly what this was. And it was just like they, they had like pretty much just like some tires down there and a piece of plywood. What? And it, it was pretty tough. And it was he hits me with the <laughs> stiffest fucking choke slam. Well, no, when I got you up, I'm like, oh shit, I didn't get his waist. So you kind of fell on your side and not on your back. And my head. Yeah, <laughs> and, and then I'm I just, like, I just kind of laid there. And I and went for the Rusev, like the stomp to the back. Oh yeah, because you know, oh he's selling this awesome. And then like you got up and you're like, I, I don't want to have our match anymore. Like, what? What's wrong? <laughs> like I landed on my head. Oh shit! <laughs> like we're only in like five minutes. We gotta go. <laughs> and so we had to completely redo the entire match. No, actually, actually, we did have a really good match. I think. I liked it. I was proud of it. We did have a good match. But well, hey, if you want to watch this match, you let us know because we can get it for you. I will put it on Twitter if I can find it. Guys, this is everything I ever wanted. If this I can is, find it, I'll put it on Twitter. That choke slam, I just have PTSD when I see a choke slam that brutal because that's what it reminded me of. Yeah. Well, I think it gave Rudy PTSD because he only counted a two. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and Kong, once again, not happy with refs being too slow, goes to powerbomb Rudy Charles. But what happens? Kim rolls her up. Yes. And so Rudy falls on top of Kong, which was a great moment. Yeah, so Kim's actually able to use Rudy Charles's weight yeah. to to roll Kong up for a schoolboy. Yeah. Because earlier in the match she couldn't. Right. No, when it was just it. awesome Kong, she could not she roll her up. To, she tried, do couldn't do it. And then Rudy basically lands flat on her face. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. no. <laughs> he like went butt first on her face. I felt so bad for her. And then he rolls over and counts the three. Dear God, dear God, Kim, Kim retains the title. Oh, God. Yeah, and it, you really get the sense that she just kind of uh, scraped by and, and yeah. was able to retain her title, which well, is a great, great way to do it. What I love so much, though, is it's because it was kind of like this big fluky, like I, she did it by the skin of her teeth type deal. Kong immediately sits up like, what? No, and immediately just attacks her. <laughs> yeah, so they start brawling again, and you know it's not oh, over. Oh, God, security runs out. All the other knockouts come out. More referees come out to pull them apart. Like, oh, dear Lord, when are these two going to end? They actually had a, a false count anywhere match on Impact like two weeks later. <laughs> well, the closing moment, you know, as as Gail Cam is you know holding up her title and She's getting like, pulled no, out of the back. I beat you. You hear Mike Tanay say, uh, an impressive win for the knockout title holder, Gail Kim. But you know what? In defeat, Awesome Kong was awesome. Well, I think they're kind of playing off like that she didn't really beat Awesome Kong. She just kind of more outsmarted her. And I love that. Because that's that's because you preserve Kong as this unstoppable monster. You didn't beat Kong. She almost just got in her own way. She basically beat herself. She she got out of control and was attacking the referee, and you capitalized. And I love that because that that's how you preserve a monster heel. You don't have a referee do a no contest call in a Hell in a Cell match where you can't do that. You also don't have them basically sell every possible move for thirty minutes and then miraculously get back up. Yes, I'm bitching about The Fiend again for the fourth <laughs> time on this show because I'm still pissed off about that match. What are some of our favorite moments from this match? 
Gosh, you know, um, I I really like the choke slam. I just because I'm a fan of choke slam in general. Uh, you know what I really liked was the barricade spot. Oh no way! You know what? It was it was one of my favorite moments of this. <laughs> I match. mean, it would go on to be emulated by Cesaro. So I mean, yeah. anything Cesaro and Kong do, I love it. Sign me up for right. Yeah, I, I really love the finish. I love the the victory roll that she had attempted two times previously in the match. Uh, actually, actually going through and, and winning the match for mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with with sort of an uh, an accidental assist. Oh, pretty right. much. Which is which is nice. I mean, te- if you get technical, Rudy Charles basically did a victory roll right there. I mean, I think he should be the knockout champion. I'd I'd buy it. Yeah. <laughs> hashtag hashtag revolution. Yeah. Done. Women's revolution. Hashtag revolution. Maybe this is the right story. I mean, it, it's not quite so the good. same as the inaugural women's uh, women's money in the bank being won by a dude. But you know, I forgot his name because he's irrelevant now. Oh, was that James Ellsworth? It was when he when he grabbed the briefcase and handed it to Carmella, and I'm like, that's bullshit. Okay, so I was very against Ellsworth most of his time in the WWE. I However, legit, comma when when the, when he grabbed the briefcase, I swear to fucking everything on this planet. If they say he wins, I am done. And then he handed it to Carmella. Carmella wins. I'm like, okay, I can live with that. They called his finisher no chin music, which I thought was very funny. <laughs> he had a chin; it was just very small. I just—that's all. That's the only thing that I thought was redeeming about him. I, thought it was I just thought that guy got a job for what, what the better part of three years because he cut a shit promo on Raw. Was it three years? I thought it was like less than a year. No, he was. There oh, for, it was a while. He was there for a long yeah. time. Uh, yeah. Did you have a favorite moment in there, Paul? Honestly, this is one of those like bell to bell. I fucking love this match. Uh, them going to the announce table and scaring the shit out of Mike Tanay. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Barricade spot. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's so uh, good. I love the crowd brawling because they, mm-hmm. they knew how to do it. They didn't just walk and punch each other. They were grabbing, like, they were grabbing, like, foam hands and water bottles. And, like, at one point, I'm pretty sure I saw a shoe. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is fucking awesome. Or, like, they actually used the arena. Like, she was, like, she was, like, slamming her, like, Kong slammed Kim's head into, like, the, the railing. Or whenever Kong uh, like was was going to like crush her and then accidentally like ran herself into the the like the the concrete wall and then just using the environment like they used the environment they didn't just punch each other and walk up and down the stairs like the Dudley Boys did. It's rare when you get two people that understand the wrestling business as well as Kong and Kim do. Yeah, and they and they understand each other and they have such great chemistry in there. Because I mean, on paper, this match should be boring, but it's not. This is like one of the most endearing stories I've seen, especially in women's wrestling, but just in wrestling in general. Like I can't remember the last time I saw like the big versus little match and it not been like, all right, when's uh, all right, about time for them to make a miraculous comeback. Right. No, it was very back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think more so than uh, more so than the in ring action that we saw, the idea that these two put on a 13 minute match in the middle of a stacked card that was a uh, final resolution 2008 you know you had some incredible matches going on at that time you had christian cage and kurt angle in the main event right right um and so when you look at this time in wrestling and what was going on in the world <laughs> the world of women's wrestling in particular uh, this was just a very, very important match. Oh, yeah, because like we said earlier, th- this is the era of familiar fantasies, bra and panties, pillow fights, all that stuff, anything but actual wrestling. And I think it, it, there's an argument to be made for this being the true start of the women's revolution. Oh, I'm one of those people, and I, especially considering that, you know, 
the the Fed likes to like take credit for this, and I'm like, no, TNA did it 11 years earlier, so accept that. And if you're going to walk around saying that we're empowering them, no, you're not, because the, we still have Stardom, we have Shimmer. They were doing it before you were. Like hell, even Evolve had better women's matches than you do. Ring of Honor was doing it for you, or PWG was doing it first. All these other companies were doing it first. So that being said, I am greatly looking forward to uh, Becky versus Asuka at Raw. Oh, sign oh, me I am up too. for that, man. Because I'm pretty sure they're just going to beat the shit out of each other. That's going to be so good. And uh, hey, we're going to be there. We are going to be, be there. there. Yes. You heard it here first. Uh, your boys at last match standing and also hope, which we're very, very excited about, <laughs> um, will be in attendance at Royal Rumble in Minute Maid Park in Houston. Um, if you're going to be there, let us know. We'd love that. It'd be super fun. So we've talked at length about yes. Gail Kim versus Awesome Kong. Where does it rank? I'm so happy you asked because I did a lot of thinking about this. I would put this right behind AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, and Daniels in Unbreakable 05. I would put it number 10. Number 10. Yes, I would. Okay, well, what's your argument? It was fucking awesome. That is not an <laughs> argument. <laughs> no, uh, my, I did what we always do where we compare it to what's most similar to. And I thought about Trish and Lita, and I thought about um, the triple threat from 32, and I preferred it to both of them. Okay. Uh, the my kind of my rationale because those were both big moments for the WWE. That was them saying, "Look at us putting women on a pedestal with Trish and Lita," and then a decade later, "Look at us putting them look these three women on a pedestal." And that would come full circle, you know, three years later where they're the main event. Two out of those three women are the main event. I feel like this was TNA saying, in the past, going, "Oh, we see that we're going to do that, but better ten years earlier." Spencer. <sighs> um that's very interesting uh and i and i appreciate your your perspective on that paul that's really good um when i look at this list of 22 i i would put it at 21 under new day really yeah i would and i don't i like it and i think and i think it is very good um and i understand and i and i totally get your reasoning your i'm sorry reasonings. not number 10 i'm sorry number 11 i would actually put it underneath ta and blanchard i got you i'm i got sorry. you no, no no i got you um so Forgive you'd put me. it below ta and blanchard but above nakamura and abushi yes okay that well the nakamura abushi match left me with something to be desired this one did not this one was like fuck hey they told a fucking story yeah and and for me it did leave a little to be desired and i don't know what maybe it's just um it, it's it's hard to have like a, a wrestling wrestling match when it is, you know, telling that dominant versus. It is, and I thought they did a fantastic job. Uh, yeah, it. no, I I completely agree with that. I'm I'm tr- what I'm trying to do right now is is rank it without taking anything away from it because well, I think it's great. When we talk about like the the do- the dominant monster heel versus the tiny valiant baby face, the first thing that pops in my head is like Rey Mysterio and Big Show, and that was dog shit. Or I think of whenever Finn and Brock had their match, and Finn did everything he could, but like him and Brock are just too they're too different. Like I don't I don't see a way that that match can work. I I, I see what you're saying. It's it's doing something with what people normally do nothing with. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe there's some sort of inherent bias that I have against that that sort of trope in wrestling. Sure. Uh, because, I mean, you look at our list, and and none of those matches are, are the, the dominant heel, you know, 
bigger, more physical threat versus versus a smaller person. We no, don't have any of those. Um, Maybe Punk and Undertaker, but that wasn't the story. The story was right. this brash, arrogant bastard is going to throw the big the, the dead man off of his game. Not once does that match play into, oh, well, Taker's six foot ten, three 305 pounds. Punk is like 5'11", like 210 pounds. That, that never was part of the story. Mm-hmm. And they didn't wrestle that match. They wrestled like two equals. So I, I, that's why I was happy to kind of see this match actually pull that off. Yeah, it, it definitely does something that, that most matches uh, with this type of story it never get the chance of pulling off. Exactly. So I, I, mm-hmm. I definitely agree with that. Um, Landon, I'm curious where you fall. So I, it was interesting when Paul brought up CM Punk versus Undertaker. Uh, so whenever we look at this, you know, th- like Paul said, we yep. always try and look at what this match is most similar to. Mm-hmm. And I, I did see a little bit of that Punk-Taker and maybe a little bit of that Cactus Jack versus Triple H. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and in that, you know, they're telling this uh, the story of, of brutality at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. And, they... and, and trying to come up with a strategy to... to uh, Gail Kim essentially had to outthink their opponent. Exactly. And... You know, if I have to look at CM Punk versus The Undertaker, that's just overall a on a grander stage. Okay, it's a larger story that's being told, and it may not have had the impact on the overall wrestling industry that uh, Kim and Kong did, but I, I have difficulty really making it jump over uh, uh, that match. Okay, I, I see. I mean, I, I knew that me saying what I was going to say was going to be like an uphill struggle. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I don't know. So yeah, I think I would probably put it right above the new day versus the Usos uh, at our new number 20. Okay. Okay. Spencer said that would, that would be up about what? Two points. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would be totally fine with that. Oh gosh. It's hard because I, I do feel like, I mean, for me, it's not much of a stretch to put it up a spot or two, but for you, it's it's knocking it down. I mean, I, I knew you guys were never going to agree with me on that one. I was really just trying to make it a, a like a point. <laughs> no, I, I mean, get it. I, I get it because it's an important match. It really is, and, and I thoroughly like this is one of my favorite matches we've done so far. Yeah, and I know that I need to take my personal feelings out of it because, like I, I think I said in the last episode, if this was the list of my favorite matches, like <laughs> yeah, the list would be very different, right? Oh yeah, if it was my favorite matches and not just. Like where we think they should be. Like I said, Tanaka, like awesome, would be number one. Right, <laughs> like right. That would be number one. Um, but I, I see where you guys are coming from, and I, and I trying to be reasonable, so uh, I can live with it being at twenty. Okay, does that sound good? Twenty sounds good. Twenty. Yeah. Okay, twenty. There it is. Uh, number twenty. Uh, Gail Kim versus Awesome Kong. Final resolution. Two thousand eight is currently the twentieth. The twentieth greatest match of all time on our list so far. I'm pretty uh, sure that's probably not going to go down much further than it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm real curious really to see. I'm really, really curious to see. You know, we're kind of, it's the, the list is shaping up, and so you're kind of starting to see. I wonder, as this list continues to grow, is sort of, has, is it going to be divided almost into thirds, right? Where sort of this bottom third is going to stay kind of in that 70-ish range. Probably. Below. And, you know, that's, I'm, I'm curious to see where well, those where those divisions will ultimately fall. Well, we still have, what, like 78 more matches to go? <laughs> we have a bunch. Yeah, <laughs> so we have we a lot a while. to go. Uh, so I, I, but what I think is interesting is as the list kind of shapes, I think there was a little bit of confusion initially. I think when some people heard us say, oh, this is this number, that's not like a final number. Because um, we're only ranking them based on the matches we've done so far. So, right. for instance, like the yeah, first match was just the first match, and then once we got to round ten. So, I hope people don't understand that when we say that, let's say Magnum and Tully Blanchard, that's number ten. That's number ten as of right now. Once we 
are like say 80 matches in that might be like number like 17 or 18 it just depends on how many matches we reviewed so i just mm-hmm. want to make sure that there's no confusion about that i know we probably should that before episode 23 but, <laughs> but you know this is still a work in progress we've only been doing this for what eight months so yeah we're it, just we're doing the best we can guys and we appreciate you sticking with us a super super good distinction to point out for sure i'm glad you did that paul um ultimately i loved this match and i'm super glad we got to relive oh, it i am too i, I would love to like, i want to do some more like 0708 TNA women's matches because there's some really good shit on there. Like, really, really good stuff. Yeah, and, and we definitely have some some sort of ideas in mind. Yeah. And, and if you have something, if you have a favorite match from that time period or, or anything that kind of, that, you know, sort of sparked in you while you're listening to this that you kind of thought of, um, if you want to share that with us, yeah. you know, we'd, we'd love to take a look at it. Or if you have any good re- recommendations from Stardom or Shimmer, we, we, we want For to, sure. we want to get sure. more women's matches on here. The, the, one of the biggest problems we had was just that the biggest game in town. Is which the WWE doesn't have that much to choose from, only in the last couple of years. Right, um, that's one of the things is uh, accessibility makes it difficult yeah, it's just for difficult. for everyone to view these kind of matches. And so, while we would love to help spread the word about those lesser known matches, you know, if we haven't seen them, uh, we don't know to review them. So yeah, please like send them out to us oh, yeah, and let us know how to watch it, if, and yeah. we'll. We would love to, to spread the word about this. We, 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 we want to see like Stardom. We want to see Shimmer. We want to see Ring of Honor. We want to see, even if you can find PWG stuff, if you can get it to us, we will fucking review it. We promise because we love women's wrestling. This brings up a really, really good point um, that I actually had forgotten about and, and I just was reminded by it. Um, someone tweeted at William Regal, who is obviously one of the most respected names in the whole business. He's, right? like, he's pretty much like everybody's dad in wrestling. Right, right he's the best. And he's really not that old either. Right, right, right. right. Uh, someone tweeted and asked him, what is the pro wrestling match of the decade? Right, you've seen a lot of that in, in the last couple of weeks. You know, a lot of people kind of reflecting and, you know, what are the best moments? And William Regal's response actually, I think, fits perfectly with what we're talking about right now. He says, uh, his answer to what is the, the pro wrestling match of the decade is the one that you personally enjoyed the most. Our job comes in all different forms. Only a small percentage are seen on film. Make your own mind up. What made you feel the most emotion to your particular style? Think for yourself. Love that. Well, that speaks to something that Ric Flair said when he uh, when he inducted Ricky Dragon, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat into the Hall of Fame. He said, well, in 1989, we had a trilogy of matches which were considered to be some of the greatest of all time. But I think the matches we had back in the 70s were even better. But like those were in front of 200 people who... Right. Like those memories will live forever with them, but no one else. Right? Yeah. I mean, the the greatest match that Paul and I had together, uh, we thought someone was uh, video recording, but it turns out they took a picture. God damn it, Tony! <laughs> and and how many times did did we say, you know, especially when we were covering DIY Revival, how we thought their match at the NXT house show that we yes. went to oh, was yeah. the best thing we've ever seen? I mean, I, like I said before, I wish we could have reviewed that match because it would right. be like top five. Yeah, because that was so good. No cameras, figures. Go figure. I mean, there were cameras, just nobody was recording. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we're, what, three matches now into season two. Uh, only our second match after a, a new number one was crowned in our season premiere. So uh, super, 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 super excited to see what we have coming up uh, down the pike for you guys. 2020 just getting underway, uh, and we're sure going to make it one uh, that is full of us reviewing some of the greatest matches of all time. Yeah, Absolutely. and we have we have some special treats here along the way. Uh, if you're if you are a patron, you've got a really really fun uh, quiz episode coming up. Hope has put together a really uh, interesting treat for you. 
<laughs> um, and we also have Last Mania standing going strong. Uh, we just wrapped up recording for WrestleMania 4 episodes, so uh, expect to see that one really soon. And expect to like age while listening to it, because it's long. <laughs> <laughs> 16 matches, guys. <laughs> uh, until next time, as always, I'm Spencer. I'm Paul. And I'm Landon. And this is Last, Last Match Standing. Match standing.